Warning, the Catholic Man Show is about to begin. If you're looking for a dull, feel-good religion, or clap your hands, sit around the campfire kumbaya, you've come to the wrong place. We are dealing with toxic levels of authentic masculinity. I would say good luck, but luck is for pagans. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. This is Christian Stipa sitting here with David Niles on my right, as well as Adam Minningham on my right, Juan on the buttons, and Jeem is not in here today. Jeem! We are discussing, what is it, infused virtue versus acquired virtue. And before I step off the mic, I just want to give out a shout out to my family, the Stipa family. Mom, Dad, Lex, Calf, G, Bridge, Christian, Thaddeus, and Mark, I love you guys, and I miss you so bad. See you at home. <laughs> Thanks, right. Right on. That was Christian Stipe, everybody from uh, Arizona, New Tucson, Arizona. Speaking of Arizona. We're going there. We're going there. We're going there this weekend. We are going to Me- Mesa. 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 Mesa, Me- bro. Mesa. You know what? You I say like, Mesa, you say people are like, Tempe, no. Phoenix, Scottsdale, Mesa, like, and, and you you're like, oh, these must be really far away. They're like 15 minutes apart. They're, they're like really close together. All these just, big places that you, you hear about like in Arizona, Phoenix. they're all basically Phoenix. I mean, Scottsdale is like different because they've got more money. Oh, well, okay. That's you know, fair. That's fair. I don't know about the other places. I just know all the fancy people be in go, Scottsdale. Go in Scottsdale? Yeah. So we're going to be there uh, for St. Philip. That's where I do my shopping. It's in Scottsdale because I'm so rich. Drive my Porsche. People in Scottsdale are going to not like us. Hey, so we're going there. You know how you know they're rich? They have grass in Scottsdale. And that's tough to do and in that's Arizona. What, like, it's still so ugly there. It is still ugly? Oh, yeah. Christian says it's still ugly. I, I take well, his word for it. Rich people often are ugly. No, that's not that's true. They're, not usually, true at all. Be- they're yeah. usually beautiful. Beautiful people, yeah. So uh, we're going there for St. <laughs> <laughs> Philip Neary. Uh, people can, think I'm rich. That's, can I finish this? That's what the thing I am is. like trying my so best rich. to tell why we're going but there. But look, we're going for a Catholic comedy conference, and I'm being funny. Just Is interrupting it? me? Yeah. Okay. I At least you, you know what? You need a new shtick. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, you do that way too much. It's good. I just, you know, you like you think something's funny, and it'll get old, just, and it just some, doesn't. Some things just don't. It just doesn't it get doesn't old. It doesn't get old. Not for me. So we're looking forward to that. We're going to go uh, there this weekend. And to be correct, it's the Philip Neary Men's yeah. Conference. No, not Men's Conference. Well, it's a, oh, no. it's not a Men's Conference. You're no. right. But it is, it's not like specifically a comedy conference, but, but it's a comedy conference. I yeah. mean, I mean, it's we're called going. We're going. a comedy okay, festival. Right? So Father Leo Paddling Hug will be there as well. If he's funny, I've never met him. You got to meet him. Yes. Last year. No, like three Me years too. ago. No, it was, oh, well, actually now that it is 2022, it was two years ago, but you got to meet him in 2020. Okay. Which up until a few days ago was last year. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. But I know that he can, like, he can sing, he can cook, he can break dance. So if he's also funny, that is going to, that will be impressive. And he's you know a black he belt. And he's a black belt. And he's I forgot, belt. he's a black belt. Yeah. I'm a black belt too. 
Whatever, Juan. Whatever, Juan. Yeah, we don't believe Whatever, you. dude. Hey, but speaking of what Juan... Juan did ask us the other day. He goes, hey, what's the oldest whiskey we've ever had on the show? And I thought that was, one, a great great question. Two, I was not sure. I didn't know. I did not know. I know that we've had an 18-year before, um, but I'm not sure. But tonight, we will have definitively the oldest scotch that we've ever had on the show. I know this just based off of the year that we're <laughs> the one we're having. This is uh, Dewar's Double Double Aged Ultimate Smoothness 27-Year-Old Scotch. Blended Scotch. So it's double double aged. Double double aged. Yes. Triple damp triple stamp I was double stamp. Gonna ask you, are we triple stamping a double stamp here? Yeah, so it's a unique four stage aging process. So what they do, they have grain alcohol, they have malt alcohol, they're aging those in oak oak cast separately. Separately. Stage two, they uh, blend those aged grains and those aged malts into another oak cask. Stage three, they take the, the aged grain and aged malt combined, blend into one barrel. So we had two barrels going down to one barrel. Right. So they don't, you, you said stage two, they blend them together. Stage one, you got grain over in one barrel, malt, malt in another, another one. Stage, stage two, two, they just take those and put them both into new barrels. Well, yeah, but they, may, they, blend, they blend the grains But not together. with each other. Not, not with, with each the other. grain and malt. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. That's Good clarification. Think, yeah. I apologize. Stage three, they take the grain and the malt, blend it together, put it in one barrel, mm-hmm. and uh, it keeps there. And then stage four is met, uh, meticulous blend of... Uh, they take def- the blend into a new barrel. Into a sherry cask. Oh, in a sherry for like a few months. For, for about six months, yes. So the uh, tasting notes, it says... It's a lot of barrels, you know. Uh, floral notes with honeyed fruits, subtle spice, silky smooth finish. <laughs> Is what it says. So this so, was expensive. Uh, yeah. So I, at first, I thought I was getting a better deal than what I than what I really it was. So uh, the bottle was a hundred and fifteen dollars, I believe. However, you pull it out of the box. You pull it out of the box. It's a half bottle. It's a small. It's a little bottle. It's a little bottle. It's a half bottle. So, so it's really two hundred. If you a whole bottle, two hundred thirty dollar equivalent. Correct. But it's a twenty seven year. I mean, really, that's still not bad for a twenty seven year old whiskey. Time. It's ten years older than Christian. Yeah. Just thinking that. So, um, anyway, so we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers. Cheers to, cheers to Jesus. Cheers, Juan. T- especially cheers to His holy name. Today's the feast of uh, the holy uh, name of, of the Jesus. Holy name of Jesus. Yeah. Mm. Okay. It smells good. So you get the sherry. Uh, yeah. Very much on the nose. Cranberry. It's got a velvety smell. A velvety smell. Don't you think so? I don't know what that it smells means. Smells like velvet. I don't know what that means. Like, I thought velvet velvet was more of a texture. It is, but like, if that texture was a smell, that's it, baby. Roses. Hmm. Yeah, roses are kind of like they're velvety. Hmm. What think you? That was very interesting. That's very interesting. The palate's very smooth. The uh, ending is a little aggressive bite to the end. It's not as smooth. The ending mm. is not near as smooth as what I thought it was going to be, being a 27-year. The very end of the finish uh, has a very sweet taste to it. At the very yeah. end, after you think the party's over, it comes back with a little sweetness. That is, it, d- the fla- it does come across strong. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, it's 46%, so it's not, like, crazy high. It's very good. I... For 20, I don't know. I, it's tough because you have such high expectations being a 27-year 
Personally, scotch. I really like it because this is just the kind of scotch that I like. You know, I like more aggressive. Yeah, but it's not pe- it's not peaty or smoky. At no, all. but like it's not boring. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Like it's it's putting up a fight, and I like it. The sweetness, the sherry at the end. Mm-hmm. You can really yeah. taste the sweetness at the end. Yeah, you get like a lot of the citrus or like kind of orangey, mm-hmm. you know, that you get with a sherry. I like it. Hey, how was your uh, Christmas? We didn't have a whole it was show. Fantastic. We didn't do even a show last week mm-hmm. uh, because of you know we took a break for Christmas. Um, my Christmas was a little crazy. I, we told you last, or I told you maybe two weeks ago that mm-hmm. we do one of the longest family traditions of the Minahan household. Is now actually, it's broken. It, well, I mean, it's not like we still don't do it. You broke but it's it. midnight mass. So I, I know that my great grandfather took his family. To midnight mass, so that's as far as I can like definitively say uh, that my family has done something throughout the generations. <clears throat> I'll bet baptizing your children goes back further. That's probably true. Yes, that's probably accurate. Uh, so, but we 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 get our kids, we keep them up. We decide we change the the game plan this year. So normally, we if we have them sleep, we wake them up and get them all ready. Really. Yes. I've wondered about that. Uh, but this year we decided, you know what? We're going to have them do a late nap and then just keep them up. Because last okay. year they were like super cranky and just like, because they get right. wake up in the middle of the night. Right. So we said we did that. About 10 o'clock rolls around, 10, 15. I'm like, okay, it's time to start getting ready for mass. You know, getting, getting everybody ready. I stand up and I catch the stomach bug and realize... We're not going to midnight mass. So you weren't feeling bad until you stood up. Yep, I was not feeling bad at all. Now the stomach bug did run through just, my family, just you, like that. I but, caught it. I stood up, and, and, and just it, like that. But you know how sometimes the stomach bug will do that. It's like all of a sudden you're like you're feeling just fine, and then all of a sudden you realize, yeah. oh nope, I'm not feeling fine. For me, when that happens, I realize you know actually over the last ten minutes I have been feeling weird. I ha- I wasn't paying attention to it, but oh now I oh which was really unfortunate because we got. The kids were already still up at 10 p.m., 10.30, which is way past their bedtime. And then we just had to put them, like, then Haley just had to put them down because I was incapacitated at the time. Yeah. Um, So anyway, well, that was brutal for us. We went to, you know, I think, you know, like six, whatever, whatever time they had mass, the vigil, Christmas Eve. And I remember getting back, getting the kids to bed, all the presents situated, Mm -hmm. and then, you know... All kinds of stuff, cleaning up things, all the stuff that you have to do as a parent mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve, and going to bed at eleven forty-five, and saying, "Oh my gosh, what if Mass was about to begin in fifteen minutes?" Like, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, "I am so glad that we don't go to midnight Mass." It's a beautiful Mass. I bet it is, and someday I will go when my kids are older. That feels like a more appropriate time for me to go mm-hmm. i'll go but it's right beautiful mass. right now this is not just for me adam it's not the for, season for me it's not the season i in mean your life for me right it's well not the it wasn't it wasn't for me either. <laughs> not this year <laughs> not this year yeah which is a little brutal but um so it's a little different we didn't travel near as much as a as a family which we normally do which was uh unfortunate that we didn't get to see all the 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 family but it was kind of nice just nice to, to take it easy take it easy you should yeah. fake a sickness next year no 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 no. i like i want to see the family yeah but 
but it was pretty nice. (laughs) All right, we'll be right back. Do you feel like God is calling you to go on a pilgrimage? Well, for the last 34 years, Select International Tours has been leading pilgrimages to holy sites all over the world. And you want when you go on pilgrimages, Dave, you want to make sure you have the great, the best hotels. You're touring with the best guides, and every detail has been addressed. And that's exactly what you're getting with Select International Tours. So, for more information, go to their brand new website, selectinternationaltours.com. They have been a sponsor of the Catholic Man Show for a long time now. Even during the COVID pandemic, they were still sponsoring our show. A lot of other tour companies were really shutting down. These guys were consistent. So go to selectinternationaltours.com to find out more information about all the great pilgrimages they offer all over the world. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan, Juan Posada on the buttons. We've got Christian here in the peanut gallery. Thanks for coming. We're drinking some Dewar's Double Double Aged 27-Year-Old Scotch. Mm-hmm. Dave, we had some. We have some uh, new sponsors of the Catholic Mancho this oh, yeah. year. Uh, Want to give a shout-out to them. You can uh, help us if you're not a patron of the show and you're like, I can't, I can't be a patron right now. Perhaps you should look at some of our new sponsors of the show. If you go to their websites and maybe even order or some of their products or services, uh, that helps us um, because it we send you them. They, in turn, support the show, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's a win all around. Yeah. So, uh, also, Especially if you're already going to, if you're looking for a, if you're going to take a pilgrimage. Right. Select International Tours. Check out Select International Tours. Uh, like we've been working with we like together with them now for about a year, and they the guys over there are just really great. Two years, two years. You're right, two years. Um, and so, I really do, I really do like the the guys over there. I mean, yep. we're very they're, picky. They're, they're very good people. We're very picky about our sponsors, like because we don't we don't do this for a living. We get to kind of pick and choose who we want yeah. as our sponsors. So, um, the sponsors that we pick, we pick them for the long haul. So that way, uh, you guys know that they are good. People, you know, good. Um, Are you wanting to companies? wait to reveal the new sponsor until? Yeah, I want them to actually listen yeah. to it. Okay, I'm fine with that. Um, so anyway, um, check them out. It would help us. Appreciate it. What's the main gear today? Uh, before we do, uh, before, before. Okay. Okay. Uh, something that we're going to be doing soon. Exodus ninety. Let's talk oh, about yeah. that. I'm actually really pumped about Exodus ninety this year. Uh, yeah, I'm interested about that because I remember when we when we finished mm-hmm. two years ago, you said, I'm definitely never doing that again. Right. You're right. I did say that. But I also, and I, you know what? I felt like, I'm really glad that's over. Mm-hmm. And I can get fat again. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you, but at the end of Exodus 90 last, two years ago, I was looking good. Well, there you go. I no, mean, I, not I, that that's why I'm doing it, but I did. I was, man. Yeah. I was looking good. I'm excited about it, though. I think that it's, it, it is something, if you're listening, you haven't done Exodus 90 before, and you're looking to uh, kind of supercharge your spiritual life, mm-hmm. jumpstart it, if you're looking for a, a, an opportunity to uh, grow in friendship with other Catholic men, I highly recommend checking out Exodus 90. Yeah. Um, I'm to- really excited totally. about it. So there's a lot of things that people always 
moan about with Exodus 90, like the showers. The cold the, showers. The cold that's, showers. What that's what everybody talks about. Al- the alcohol, the cold showers, the sweets. Um, but I really appreciate the, the 20 minutes of, of silent prayer. Sure. Oh, yeah. I really appreciate that. Um, and then I also, I, I also appreciate the... I have to regulate my social media because my job is it entails social media as well. I've, I've noticed that I have actually spent more time on social media instead of less. Um, and so it'll be nice for me to, I mean, you still have to do your job, you know, right. But it'll be nice for me to, uh, keep, take that into more cons- consideration throughout the day. Right. Like, am I on it because I am just like, need to be my scrolling? Right. Or is like, Oh, I just, because I get a no- notification doesn't mean I have to check it. Yeah. So I'm um, looking totally. forward to to breaking that habit. Um, yeah. Oh, nice. Christian, Christian has Christian. a light phone. Light phone. I actually listened to your podcast, and my dad and I decided to get it for you. He, nice. Nice. Yeah. Listen to our podcast. Got the light phone. Dig it. So. Father Carvajal has a light phone. <laughs> really? Yeah. 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 It's pretty sweet. But yeah, I mean, really, Exodus ninety. It did change my life. It really did. Uh, and I. So I'm a I'm a big fan of it. And it's really that 20 minutes of prayer. Mm-hmm. Specifically, that's what it was. And I've kept doing that since. And getting back into the readings uh, every day. Uh-huh. I, I, I have not been doing or like reading the readings every day. Uh-huh. And so I'm looking forward to getting back, uh, getting back into the habit of reading the daily readings. Every morning, get up, say, Auxilium Christianorum prayers. I read the, then I read the readings, and then I do my 20 minutes of prayer. You know, like having the readings before the 20 minutes... Helps gives you. It, yeah, like it, it gives you something to chew on, gives you like, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes I'll just take one, like if there's one thing that just jumps out at me, it's, I mean, it's not exactly Lexio Divina, I'm not sitting there. Lexio Divina. Is, 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 is that what I said? Lexio Divina. That's what I maybe, meant to say. Whatever it was I said. Yeah. It's not exactly that I'm not just sitting there with the verse over, you know, like, mm-hmm. to me it's just kind of like a starting point for my prayer. Not always. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. It's really good. Having that 20 minutes... Is really important. Yeah, it like I realized for years I was saying a lot of prayers, but I wasn't really praying. Right. You know, I didn't have the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, my relationship with God was almost transactional. Like I say this, I expect right, like, something back. I've and, put in the work. Right. You know, I said my prayers, good. You know, and it just wasn't was that good Pelagianist that you were. I mean. Or Janus, yeah, maybe you're more I, I a Janist. Know. I don't know. Jansen, Jan- Jansenist. Yeah, I don't know. Some kind of heretic. Is for I mean, sure. <laughs> uh, definitely. I mean, you pick it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I mean, I'll let you decide. I yeah. don't care. I just think like the idea of you being a heretic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I am excited about that. Juan's going to do it with us. Uh, Scott Bassett, our buddy Scott, uh, Sam Guzman, the Catholic gentleman. Maybe Father Porter. I'm pres- Father. I'm pressuring him. Maybe Derek Lissy. Okay. So it's a good group of men that we'll have. So anyway, okay, so the man gear today, we're going to jump into it. And this is something that I'm pulling from the topic this evening. Uh, that The man gear is a um, speculative quarterly review academic journal that I am uh, a subscriber of that I've really enjoyed. It's called The Thomist. Uh, you get four a year. Uh, it's not very expensive, but uh, Father... Uh, Thomas Joseph White is one of the main, um, oh, he's the editor, I believe. Uh, anyway, and, and so it's always really, really good. Yeah, so uh, Thomas Joseph White, um, there's a bunch of them on here, but um, all Dominicans, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Dominicans, 
um, on here. Really, really good uh, academic journal. They give all different types of um, context of, of different things that are happening around the world. Like, so for this this uh, edition, they talk about the background of Aquinas on self defense. So you can take deep dives into that uh, prime matter of revisited uh, prime matter revisited. So this does not sound very readable. I mean, like no. So what it is? So remember, it, it re- sounds like pretty heavy. Uh, it is he- it is heavy uh, topics. Most of the time, uh, it is over my head. Uh, it is an intellectual push for me. Uh-huh. Uh, but remember when we had we were talking to Carlo Broussard and uh, on yeah. the five ways and things like that, and I was I, I asked him like, hey, so what are you reading? He re- yeah, I remember him recommending this. To yeah, you. so he recommended this to me, and he said, uh, I don't really read books any longer. I read books. books are for chumps. Yeah, he said I read uh, essays and articles uh, because they're very specific mm-hmm. and they go really deep into a specific topic and there are you know between forty sixty pages and then you're done uh, and so I can read a lot and uh, over many different topics and that probably helps him as an apologist as well right so you and can, a philosopher and a philosopher because yeah. you can you can um, go over a lot of different topics and go uh, deep into them yeah. And uh, so anyway, so I decided, okay, I'll, I'll do that. So I got two different subscriptions. I got the Thomas, and then we've also, uh, I think, done Nova at Verita, which is the um, Emeritus Road uh, publication. Uh, Scott Hahn is one of the editors of that. But anyway, so I, I really like the Thomas. Um, I, I really look forward to it. I actually probably, one of the things I, I really like is at the end, they give reviews of different books, uh, different essays. So they, they will critique uh, different mod- modern books or modern essays that are happening. Um, so one of the book reviews that happened was uh, was uh, the um, Gary Gulagrange book, the uh, To Miss the Common Sense, and uh, that's what led me to doing the book club that we do. Did they rip it apart? No, they of course not. It's Gary Gulagrange. <laughs> um, and so it was really good. So anyway, I highly recommend it. We're going to be pulling uh, a. And we're going to talk about an article that was in the Thomas. It's called The Perfection and Growth of Christ's Virtues by Dr. Michael A. Wall. Uh, he went AWOL on this <laughs> article. <laughs> I was trying to say it. I was trying to do it without laughing, and then I heard one laugh. Uh, uh, but he really did a great job at talking about uh, what acquired virtue is, what infused virtue is, how you how you grow in both of them, what did Christ, like how did Christ... Did Christ grow in these virtues? How could he have grown in these virtues? How could he not have grown in these virtues? And, and really, and goes through it. And it really is nice that he talks about it because it it really brings home like the importance of the incarnation, the importance of uh, the human nature of Jesus, uh, mm-hmm. which is very uh, appropriate for for today's time period. Being yeah, I'm interested what he says about that because I have some guesses. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, I would guess that this is the answer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't know. I mean... Well, hopefully I can uh, do it somewhat justice. Um, it is, it, like I said, it is an intellectual challenge for me to to read through it. But yeah. um, I had I had to go through and talk to David Dean at the end of the day today to make sure that I understood. Because he uses some words he just uses exclusively in Latin. And so it's like, I just want to make sure that I know uh, what this means. Mm-hmm. Um, which, it, which I turns out I did. Shockingly, mm, wunderbar. Yeah, very nice. Um, and so, uh, anyway, that's what that's, that's what the main gear is today. So I, I highly recommend it. the Thomist. It's a uh, quarterly review. Um, Did you just Borat? Yeah, you went from Latin bo-rat. to Borat <laughs> to Borat. 
Very nice. I like you people. So anyway, that's what I was trying to look to see if they had. Oh, it's it's out of Washington D.C. Washington D.C. I don't that see that makes me leery. You know, but that's where the Dominican House of Studies is. So that probably helps with all the with all those preachers you got they got over there. You think that the whole city'd be better off? Well, think about how bad it would be without. Yeah, exactly. So go and go, just Google the Thomist. You can. Uh, it's not very expensive. I can't remember exactly how much it is. Maybe it's like sixty dollars a year or something like that. It's not very expensive. Um, very well worth if you're looking to take deeper dives into Thomistic philosophy, theology. Uh, highly recommend the Thomist. It's a quarterly review. Lovely. Okay, so when we get back, we're going to talk about the perfection and growth of Christ's virtues. We're going to talk about acquired virtues, infused virtues, uh, and all things virtue. We'll be right back. Hey guys, recently we met Mark Lozano at the Allentown Catholic Men's Conference and he came up to us and said, hey, I used to invest money for the NBA, the National Basketball Association. Never, don't know if you've heard of this or not, but it's the National Basketball Association. Have you heard ring, of this, that Dave? That rings a bell. That uh. does ring a bell, yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that he actually invested money for LeBron James. I'm just saying that he was associated with the National Basketball Association. Right, and so what Mark is doing now is he started... Christ-Centered Capital, C3. And the whole project behind it is doing the due diligence for you so that you know more about the companies you're investing in. And he has a focus on, shocker, Catholic moral values in your investments. So have, if it's ever bothered you that maybe you're investing in companies that don't align with the values that we uphold as Catholics, this is a great way for you to get more information Without having to do all the research, you don't have to spend hours and hours trying to find the things that maybe companies don't want you to know about their business practices, or are they a good investment at all? Um, so this is uh, something that Mark has uh, background in, and he is doing all the work for you so that you can focus your portfolio, your investments, in a more profitable and more moral direction. So go to ChristCenteredCapital.com. That's ChristCenteredCapital.com. You'll be able to check out all the information that he has to offer. Christ-Centered Capital, where do your values lie? Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. If you're listening via radio, make sure you go check out thecatholicmanshow.com. We will definitely be going... Uh, overboard on this topic so if you want to catch the full episode you can check it out on podcast youtube or uh your uh the if you go on youtube you'll catch in between segments um all the shenanigans that go on at that point but um we want to thank all of our radio supporters catholic radio is very important to dave and i as you guys have uh, probably known um and so we appreciate that so tonight we're going to talk about um virtue we're going to talk about you know, typically we we've been try we try our best to talk about virtue on on every show. Mm-hmm. Tonight we're really talking about ways to get virtue. It seems like get how, virtue. How do you get it? How do you get it? Yeah. How do you do it? How do you live it? Right. So we're going to talk about acquired versus infused virtues first. So acquired virtues, Dave. Um, acquired virtues. Acquired are those that you work to form a habit in. Right. So. Uh, a long time ago, we did an episode on natural versus supernatural virtues. Do you remember this? <coughs> I do. Um, I, was, that, I was there. You were there when that happened. Yeah. Um, Juan, were you there when that happened? You were there. 
Okay, I couldn't remember if you were you Mucho. were there yet. Mucho. Okay, that's me. Good. I want you to know that's me. And uh, you rubbed it. Yeah, he. he I is have the I average of the made five a people. contribution to the to the Spanish language. Yeah, mucho. De nada mucho me gusto. <laughs> that's another one I made. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so yeah, so acquired virtue is, is that that we cultivate on, on our own efforts, right? So th- these are the ones that you can continually grow throughout your life. Aquinas uses one of the examples of how you can uh, grow in the virtue of fortitude, mm-hmm. uh, like in, in being able to train yourself to go into combat, right? So you can train yourself to grow in, in fortitude and in, in courage and to um, take, you know, even at one point you know, in self-defense to take one's life. Um, and you can grow in those virtues and train yourself for those virtues. And you can say that, and, you know, the military does that all the time, right? They go through... Um, trainings where simulations where there's mm-hmm. guns going off around you and chaos around you yeah, and are you mastery are you still going to focus on the mission right i would just like to point out this is the first time you didn't use candy analogy first time i did not use well hold on yeah give him some time yeah, give me some time this give is we're, we're, time. St- we're still a long time yeah. yeah we still got plenty of time <laughs> for a candy analogy uh so uh, so yeah so aquinas talks about um you know this uh, being able to grow in these virtues naturally, right? And, right? and prepare yourself, train yourself for this. And justice is another one, right? So you have um, judges um, who continually train themselves to make just judgments, right? Um, fair judgments. Right. Um, and you can continue growing in these virtues. Uh, infused virtues are given by God alone. They are the ones that you are infused uh through the sacrament of baptism, the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. Uh, some, some theologians actually add more than just the, those th- theological virtues, but for the sake of the discussion tonight, we'll just, folk, we'll just add. Out of curiosity, what are the ones that other people add? We don't have to discuss it, whether it's correct or not. Do you know? Do you remember? Um, I think, no, I don't remember exactly. I don't want to sp- okay. misspeak. Yeah. Um, so, so, you're, so what this is saying is that the virtues, the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love, you cannot acquire. Uh, well, you, you it depends on what you mean like, by that, I guess, because you can acquire practice. them through baptism. But well, is I it, mean, like, given to, it seems like charity. You know, it's what we, you know, it's really that we'd say charity. It seems like that's charity. You can practice charity and like correct. So you're given. So, but is it? Are you growing in it because as you practice it, God is infusing it more into you, or are you growing in it because you're like reinforcing the habit? You okay, that's a good, yeah. So that's a good question. So um, it that's twofold. Let, let, let's table that. Okay, um, we'll, we'll come back. We'll, to we'll come back to that. So, but so infused virtues you can actually grow over time um, okay. as well. So God gives you these graces, and they can be. Uh, you can continue growing in these graces through God through God um, over time. So what, some of the stages of growth that uh, you you can grow in these. In, in these virtues is there's three of them that Aquinas breaks down. These are my own like one, two, threes, but he didn't use these, this terminology, but it's basically like at the beginner level when you're avoiding sin and preserving the gift of charity. So when you stop mm-hmm. uh, mortally sinning, when yeah. you stop, you know, uh, you know, breaking that bond that you, the relationship that you have with God uh, on a continuous basis, um, that would be the beginner stage, which, mm-hmm. you know, you just kind of take that in for a second. You know, the beginning stage of the spiritual life is when you stop sinning. Right. Um, so the second one is like... Mortally. A, mortally, yes. Yeah. Um, the, the second one, 
is the second one is you can maybe call it proficient, like a, a, a profici- profi- proficient stage where you, you're strengthened in charity by steadily advancing in greater works. So as you continue to, you know, it's like God will give you a little bit. And then if you, if you do well with what he gives you, he may give you more, you know. So as you continue growing in these virtues, uh, you have the greater capacity to do more. Um, like almost like magnanimity, you know, we've talked about, uh, that before on the show as well, like okay. the virtue of magnanimity, yeah. like you can't just like jump into magnanimity, right? Right. Um, it, you could maybe do a magnanimous act, but it wouldn't be the virtue of magnanimity. It's the beginning. It's the of beginning. Mag- of virtue, but right. Right. So it's kind of like. One truth does not give you the virtue of honesty. Of honesty. Right. Uh, and then the third stage that that Aquinas talks about is the is, is like the perfect stage. It's like when, when you perfect these virtues and you exercise in charity, uh, it, all your charity is directed in union and uh, and enjoyment in God. This is like when you play Street Fighter and you beat the other person with a hundred percent health at the end. Remember, and then the little announcer, the announcer voice goes, "Perfect." That's exactly what it's That's like. Exactly. What exactly. It's like. Spot on. You're welcome, bro. Yeah. So when you strengthen these habits, so uh, both the, the 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 acquired virtues and the infused virtues, as you strengthen these, specifically the acquired virtues, as you strengthen these habits, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you can relate to this, right, Dave? As you when you started like turning your life over to Christ and you started trying to live the virtuous life, uh, you had to make mentally these decisions, right? You had to order yourself towards the good. And you had to make these decisions. No, I'm not going to do X. I'm going to do the right thing. Uh, and a lot of times you had to really, it, it took a lot of mental energy to make sure you weren't going to do X. Right. Right. You know, it took yeah. you a lot of effort to to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And uh-huh. you maybe even entertain the idea of still doing it, even though you weren't going to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet. Kind of like being tempted you know you're not going to do it but i, ooh, I like just kind of like even just the thought of doing it right right you know so uh but once you grow in these acquired virtues uh you stop really thinking about it and you just start doing your your order to the right to the good and so you stop thinking about it and you when you live these virtuous lives it, you become uh you have these habits that are uh, the, the promptness they are uh they give you pleasure and they're ease you, you, you get pleasure from the virtue. From the virtue, right? Yeah, that's a good yeah, you, distinction, right? Right. You, yeah, yeah. But so the because prom- you used to get pleasure from from the, the sin, sin, yeah, right. But promptness is is one. And that's you, very, you reach the point where the sin is really becomes unthinkable, right? Well, and that's what the promptness is, right? So it's right. like promptness, like you don't even entertain the idea of sin. It right. is promptness. I know, I know what is good. I do the do the good immediately without entertaining anything else, right? You know, and by and you're repulsed by the idea of it, right, right? And by doing the good, it gives you the pleasure. It gives you pleasure of. Uh, your intellect and will is is pleased with doing what is right, and it's not the same pleasure. It's a. It's not like oh, no. I can get you know the the pleasure you get from the sin. You could get that from the virtue. It's not. Uh, it, it's not. It's not as. I don't know. It's it's not as sensible. Uh, no, but it's like, more satisfying. Right. It is. It's de- it's, it is far more satisfying. But and, it, and the, the the sensible ones fleet very quickly. But maybe sensible. I meant like sensual. Like, you can't sense it as much. Yeah. When I when I right. said sensible, you know, so yeah, like sensual. S- yeah. Si- uh, pleasure from sin, you feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's fleet, even if it's even fleeting. if it's intellectually, you feel it. But yeah, it lasts but a moment. But the the pleasure you get from virtue 
is sustained. Mm-hmm. And, and then it becomes easier, right? So like the, those, those sins that you, growing in the virtue, in, in the spiritual life, the, the sins that you used to combat, that you used to struggle with, um, become easier, right? Because you right. have formed the habit of doing the good. Now, sure. obviously, I don't want to think, I don't want anybody to think that we're talking about that you can have your own salvation or that you can work for your own salvation. Well, that's not what we're saying. I, I just, yeah. It's good to, you know, you can only do this through the grace of God, right? So, sure. Um, but those are the kind of the stages of, of uh, the spiritual growth and like how once you become virtuous, uh, the, those are the three things that Aquinas says that happen when you ac- exercise those virtues. Okay. Um, so acquired virtues are both <coughs> generated and increased by doing it by repetition in human acts. Right, like we we discussed, the increase in infused virtues is due to God's action, uh, which is uh, just as the initial infusion is God's gift. So He continues to give you the grace to grow in charity. Does this make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. I just want to make sure. I but He lost. probably is going to do that still based on your own response. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mean, so th- these two things are more similar than I think they sounded at first. The acquired and infused right it seems like at first oh there's nothing there's no cooperation here like faith is just a gift from god either god chooses to give it to you in a lot or a little it's his choice nothing you can do about it like that's just the way what he gave you but that's not true god wants you to he certainly desires for you to increase in these virtues and so by cooperating with his will with his grace you increase your own capacity to receive them, and, uh, you know, God does as he wills, but it's reasonable that he would infuse you with more of those graces as your capacity to receive them increases. Yeah, and and I would say, like, this goes back to kind of like the natural versus supernatural graces, right? So, like, uh, the supernatural graces of the cardinal virtues, uh, prudence, justice, fortitude, temperance. Yeah. You know, as you continue growing that, which could be a natural virtue as well, like you can have natural aspects of, of, of that virtue, but the supernatural for the love of God, as you continue to develop and become virtuous in these uh, uh, in these virtues, God will will open up the capacity for you to right. to, to live those, a more virtuous. Theological life. virtues, you don't acquire those naturally. Correct. Right. Right. Supernatural only. Infused. Infused the sacrament of baptism we'll be right back welcome back to the catholic man show i'm david niles here with adam minahan we're talking about virtue and how you get it you gotta work virtue is hard let's be honest acquiring virtue is hard i one day i hope to have one before I die, I hope to have a virtue. Well, Aquinas says that, you know... I'm just kidding. I have like a punch already. Uh, you know, the desire to have a saintly life is... Is, is a good start. Is a, mm-hmm. is a start, yeah. So, yeah, so we're, we just got done talking about infused virtues, acquired virtues, the natural, supernatural aspects of those. So I kind of summed it up there at the very end of the last segment. Let me sum it up again. I want to make sure I understand this. Let me sum up. Because in both of these cases, I think that in one way or another, you have to work to grow in these virtues. You have to cooperate with God's grace. Whether whether it's co-op, cooperation, you know, so the natural virtues are going to be more of a cause and effect. 
at least on a natural virtue level, mm-hmm. I practice telling the truth, therefore I become honest. Now, obviously, if you're telling the truth, you're still cooperating. God gives us the ability to do all things good, right? We can, we can do nothing good without his grace. So Correct. he's the final cause of all good things. Correct. Um, so if we're doing something good, it's not because we did it, but because we cooperated with his grace. But the same, I think, in that respect is true of these infused virtues, that we cooperated with them. However, it's the, the growth in those virtues is not like a cause and effect, like it is telling the truth, like makes you become honest. Having faith, you, you know, there's practicing faith, is not exactly the way we grow in, you know, like by pursuing the interior life. By grow, I think when we grow our interior life, we kind of receive an infusion of more of more virtue in that way. Well, I, yeah, I would agree. So, with but that. so it's it's kind of like a, a nuance in: is this like a human practice, or is this a supernatural reality? Yeah, I think I think so. I think the choir virtues are, are human practice. Am I and summing I think, that up good? Yeah, I think I think so. I think that <laughs> am I summing it good? Yeah, I like to do other yeah, stuff yeah, good yeah, too. Yeah, but, yeah, but like a lot of good things. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so but I I, I think that uh, yes. So the infused virtues are 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 infused graces, almost like it's a supernatural reality. Mm-hmm. Yes, but it's not like oh yeah, sorry, you know, God just infused me with more faith than you. It's like no, 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 I. I have pursued him. I have, I have responded to his call mm-hmm. in one way or another, and that's why I think God could do that, though. I he mean, could. He could. Yeah. You're right, but um, that, that's not probably the fitting way that God would choose in Correct. in most cases. Correct. But it's not a logical contradiction to operate his to bestow the grace economy as he deigns the economy of scale yeah. as he deigns to to do right. Uh, so okay, so now that we have that kind of laid out, we're going to talk about Aquinas's like idea of what Christ perfection in virtue is, and I think this is very uh, interesting, especially in in this time of year with being the incarnation and Christ coming down and, yeah. and having you know Christ uh, being uh, having a full human nature. Um, we've talked about it before, like, Dave. You, you said like Little tiny baby, the whole WWJD. Like you don't you don't know. Like I don't know. Um, what would Jesus well, do? I he's don't a know. divine I don't person. Know. Um, but going through this, uh, kind of rebuke the wind. Uh, it did kind of give me a little bit Last better. Last time I did that, I looked stupid. <laughs> Everybody laughed at me. Uh, uh, but it did give me a better insight into into that into this idea. So Aquinas talks about this so that you know Christ had Christ is the uh, exemplary man of all men, right? He's he totally has, exemplary. He has, he has all virtues, correct? Now he qualifies it. Does he? Okay, so he qualifies this. Seems like you he wouldn't have the ones that you don't have when you're in heaven. Okay, man, well done. Um, I don't know if you read that or not, but that's yeah. So this is this is very true. So what he's, he he qualifies it right. So he says Christ has all virtues. Now he does not have uh, his human nature does not have faith or hope because faith is related to uh, this, uh, things not thing, seen things not seen and hope is for the supernatural end that has not yet come as an come to omniscient be. being right so the, he would say he knows all and so there's no there's no room for faith there's no room for faith or hope because he knows that what the end is going to be right um, however uh, Aquinas talks about how that's, those are imperfect 
so to speak, there's an imperfect aspect of those virtues in which because we are at a human level and we're not at our final end, we're not, um, we're not up in heaven yet. And so there's some imperfect, what he calls imperfections of these virtues. And so he says, he qualifies it by saying, no, he does not have it, but any perfections that are in within the virtues of faith and hope Hmm. Christ will have. Does he say what those are? Um, I, I, I think he actually does talk about that in the summa, but I did not go, I did not dive into that. Um, but I, I, but I thought that was very interesting. So he, yeah, so he says the, the perfections of the intellect and will are conferred, uh, it's probably conformed, conformed by the virtues of faith and hope. Sweet. So I thought that was very interesting, you know, to think about as Christ is walking here on earth, you know, that he didn't necessarily have the virtues of faith or hope, um, as long as those, those virtues, uh, are, are taken in the right context. Right on. Uh, so he has, so he says, Christ's grace are both uh, extensive and in, uh, intensive. So ex- extensive in insofar as they rise above the effects of grace. Okay, and uh, intensive because as a full, uh, as full uh, in preparation of the divine nature as is possible for the human nature. So that's important because Christ not only has all virtues, but he also has the virtues most perfectly. Yeah, and it's not that he conforms to the virtues most perfectly as much as it is that the virtues conform to him. I mean, like, the reason the virtue is what it is is because he is what he is, right? So it's not like, oh, there's a good outside of him that he is conforming to. He is the good, that right, and, so, and the good flows from him. Right, you know so in I the mean? hypostatic union, so, you know, there's a, Christ has two natures. He has a divine nature, a full 100% divine nature, 100% human nature. Mm-hmm. And his divine nature, has, the grace given from his divine nature, saves his human nature. Okay, because the grace given from the, from the divine nature uh, is sufficient for all human He's natures. also not a human person. Not a human person. He's a divine person. This is where, like, you know, you got to be very careful so we're yeah. not throwing around heretical right, ideas. got to use the right words. Right. So, but for Aquinas, Christ is the, is the virtuous man par excellence who possesses all virtues most perfectly and in an absolute unique manner that follows from his singular fullness of grace. So he's full of grace, right? So he, he has, from his moment of conce- conception, he has all this grace, right. all the grace. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what I was saying is that, like, it's not like there's a standard outside of him that he's conforming to so perfectly. Mm-hmm. That standard is that because that's what he is. If if God was, if Jesus was something different, right. then the virtue would be, be something different. different. Okay, but so let me throw this out there to you. So with that being said, okay, uh, the biblical reference of Luke two fifty two, it says that the boy. So this is when the boy Jesus was in the temple, right? So and so he says the boy Jesus advanced in age and wisdom and in grace before God and the people. Yeah. So what do you think that means? I have a couple different guesses. This is the thing that I was thinking about guessing at. So one thing is that in in his perfect humility, that he reduced himself willingly uh, to conform to human standards. So one of that would be like intentionally depriving himself of certain knowledge, even though he would possess knowledge. Like he would still uh, allow himself to learn things. It's not that he didn't know them, but like learning how to walk. He knew how to walk, but in order to humble himself most perfectly, he made himself learn it like any other man. Okay, mm-hmm. so in that in that way, 
his human nature, you know, his when he was on earth, he still had to grow in things. So as um, obviously a baby is not doesn't have the capacity for courage mm-hmm. that an adult man does. And so in that way, as he grew, mm-hmm. he allowed himself to grow in his capacity for those virtues in a natural way, just like anybody. That's my first guess. I would also say, possible, I'm just really totally guessing, uh, but, you know, when we say grew in grace, often that cannot, in English anyway, we might use that as an expression of him growing in, like, into manhood, you know, that there's mm-hmm. sort of like a gracefulness when you get out of that awkward teenage stage, you know, like people, you might sometimes use that phrase as you are like kind of coming into your adulthood, mm-hmm. right? Where you're kind of growing in gracefulness. Mm-hmm. So that, I don't know. Th- those are two guesses. My, f- my first answer though is really what I think it is. Yeah, that's actually exactly right. Um, yeah. So, uh, yes. so, so Aquinas proposes two options, right? So he, he gives two options here. He gives one that says that that Christ has the habit of grace and wisdom that might be increased such that one becomes uh, a participant in them more intensely, right? So you on the other page now. Yeah. So more intensely. So like as he's growing in this virtue, he he's able to do that more intensely, right? So as you love, you start loving. Like, for instance, for us, as we love adoration, we love adoration more and more and more. We, love, right. we have the capacity to love it more. But Aquinas firmly rejects this idea. He, he, has, he, does not, he does not agree with this because Christ has, is fullness of grace from conception. Uh, so he does not agree with that. Uh, but he, he, gives, he says, in accordance, uh, one might grow in grace according to its effects inasmuch as one does greater and wiser works. Aquinas does attribute this kind of growth... Uh, to Christ, accord, uh, since according to his progress and age, he did more perfect works. So just kind of like you're saying, at, at a human level, um, when he was there in the temple and he was 12 years old, he was saying things that were very uh, intelligent. They were like, wow, what, what is Christ saying here? Like, yeah. But it wasn't to the point of them him saying, that can't be. There's no way that the 12-year-old could say this. Like maybe mm. if he was eight or something like that, uh, that could be the case. But Christ... Uh, perfects every stage of, of life and gives us the example to live in every stage of, of, of life through how he lived his life um, to give us the, the standards to live by. Uh, if you're listening to the radio right now, we are out of time. We want to thank all of our listeners uh, on via radio. Go to thecatholicmanager.com or check us out on the podcast or YouTube. We'll continue this conversation just a little bit more. I want to talk about uh, Aquinas' sermon that he gives on uh, Jesus' adolescence. Mm. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus. I did not realize that we were that that low on time. Sorry. I got carried away with the topic. Oh. And I didn't pay attention. I'm sorry. That's okay. No worries. No problem. Uh, yeah, so so anyway, so... He gives a sermon, huh? Yeah, so he gives a sermon. And, and Jesus had pimples. I think he did. I'll bet he did. Yeah, it's a natural thing, I would, I would imagine. It's just weird. Um, <clears throat> weird to think about God having zits. Zits, yeah. You, but who knows if zits were a cause of 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 falling. fall. Like Mary didn't have pain, Jesus didn't have zits. Dude, I mean, I think that's, that's a, an. I, I don't know. I think it's, it's a valid it's a, point. It's a natural thing that, like, it's like, well, is. I'll bet in the garden they wouldn't have know. had him. Do you think that they could have broken bones or pulled muscles? Uh. I don't know. I think so. I think, I think it's I think possible. I think that's in accordance to, with nature. It's not like there's no, like, 
there's a lot of theologians that talk about this. You know, like it's not like there was no death in the in Eden. Like an, animals still acted in accordance with their nature. Right. Um, so anyway, that 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 goes off field. So, but I'm not going to say that it has to be that way. I don't know. I, I don't know enough about it. That's not that's not a topic that I've, I've researched. Does man's enough. authority over the garden give him all like such authority that oh, if I'm falling out of a tree, he could command the gravity to catch him? Like what? To what extent did his authority? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, know that answer. Like, that's that sounds a little ridiculous, but. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one of the things that Christ, uh, I'm sorry, one of the things that Aquinas did, uh, it gave a sermon on Christ's adolescence, which I think is, uh, you know, kind of a bold thing to do, right? Because we don't know yeah, a whole lot about Christ's basically adolescence. Basically, nothing. There was that one time when when he ran away from home, you know. Or he didn't run away. They it left. It does seem, though, like, Jesus, come on, <laughs> man. Like, you knew your mom and dad wanted you to be in the caravan, you know, like, they, obviously, they didn't tell him, Jesus, like, it's time to go. Let's go get in the caravan because he would have obeyed. I've always thought it was like, come on, <laughs> Jesus. Like, yeah. So he, so he talks about, uh, he at, the question is asked, why did Christ not perform perfectly virtuous deeds from the very beginning of his earthly existence? I think he did in accord in as much as that is fitting his to nature to was his fitting nature. for his nature, right? right? Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what he says. I mean, that, um, he talks about uh, it is because it's virtuous for a baby to cry when the baby's hungry. That's mm-hmm. that's a virtuous act because it's you know in as much as the baby can act, that's the that's like <coughs> the highest action in accordance with with its good and with the truth. So like that's a virtuous thing for the baby to do. Right. So even the, though it like yeah, no, sometimes so, it's a little too much virtue. You right, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and so he t- so he talks about it. so he said uh, he did not uh, will to show his wisdom so that the truth of the human nature in him would be acknowledged and in order for it to give us an example of advancing in wisdom. So he did it so that way we there was no question about uh, him being full, having a full 100% human nature. You know mm-hmm. because he he was a he had a perfect human nature, but he was not a robot. It was not like that he was just robotic in in these virtues, right? So he right. he uh, was all things uh, to as a human except for sin, right? So he he still um, it wasn't like that he was a programmed like oh now you have one hundred percent magnanimity now that you have you, you know now that you're age seven you have one hundred percent charity you know or whatever he, you know he still um, don't say it. Don't, you, what? Don't say something heretical right here. No, I, no, no, no. I don't want to say anything heretical. Okay, I, f- no, I, 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 could, ever, I feel like no. He had one hundred percent of the virtues, but he only acted in accord to the nature that he uh, human nature in order so that uh, it gives us the example of how to live a human life. Um, I thought you were going to say he still had to struggle with temptation. That's what I thought you were going to say. Uh, I I thought that's where you're about to go with it, and I was like, bro. Don't do that. Well, we know that he was tempted. Well, just now whether he struggled with it or he not, he did not. He did not struggle with concupiscence. Well, that's not what I was talking about. Right, but that attraction to sin. No, he, he, did, he did not, not have. have. He did not have attraction. So, to like sin, temptation sin. did not affect him. He could have. He was. He tempted. was very. He was so rightly ordered. He was so human. He was so one hundred percent human. 
like in yeah, his in fullest capacity. But he's also God at the same time, and God can't. You cannot tempt him. He is the because good. he's going to do good. Yeah, he is he, the he good. He is good. Yeah, right, like, right. The, the, anything good is because he is it, right? And so like, it's not even. It's not. It's not possible for Jesus right. to sin. Right. Yeah. So Aquinas even says in here, it would be unfitting for Christ to display the fullness of wisdom he already possesses before an age when human beings would typically exhibit wisdom. So that's why they weren't, you know, even when he was 12 years old, that's not why they were like, well, this is impossible that this 12-year-old is, is spitting this out. You yeah. know, like, maybe it would have been if Although, he was... you know, at some point, there's like a time of coming of age, right, where, you know, now... It's, you know, like uh, whatever age it was back then, mm-hmm. you know, okay, uh, you're no longer a boy, you're a man. And so it wouldn't have been on, you know, now it's reasonable that at this age you would say wise things, right? So I, I wonder if at 12, that could have been, at, you know, that time's like, hey, well, he's not a boy anymore. He's old enough to be wise. I don't know, like, when you became a man back then. I know it was a lot sooner than it is today. That's true. Well, and he was also a. I think it's beautiful that he was also asking questions, and how that is part of the the learning experience. Now, sometimes you ask a question to make right. somebody. I've kind of like, wondered if it was like realize more, the, more Socrat- like a yeah, Socratic, more Socratic method, yeah, like. Socratic dialogue. Yeah, but, but he had to learn something. Yeah, like, well, he did, but anyway, I get there have been certain Twitter posts in recent years or certain priests suggest that Jesus is like learning something from the woman at the well as if like he didn't know it before. Yeah. So, so you know, even like, Aquinas says that God judged it more suitable that Christ should become a human in such a way that he, uh, that he, his execution of greater works of virtue was tethered to the growth in age. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's part of the, part of his um, human, the humbling act. Right. It conformed him to a concrete situation of the human nature he was going to redeem, a nature in, uh, in which it, at certain stages of development is not capable of performing advanced acts of wisdom or virtue. I mean, Christ, so, it's this, all of this, his whole life is the cross, right? So in his passion, he gave everything he had to give. He suffered everything. And he... He became fully human. He did that from the beginning, right. that, that he lowered himself... Right, like if he had been wise from the beginning, oh well, that means he could have humbled himself even more, right? He humbled himself the most he could all the time, whether it was in his suffering, whether it was in um, his, you know, like apparent ordinariness, um, all of the stuff. He gave everything. Yeah, he became that which he uh, he redeemed. Mm-hmm. Right. He became that which he redeemed. But it's his whole life is just a, a witness of, uh, of total gift, you know. Mm-hmm. So here's a theoretical question on, on that topic. Okay. When we hear about Christ again, about his time coming, or his time has not come yet, mm-hmm. and we knew that he was growing in virtue throughout his life, it's like, do you think that when his time came, he was just perfect? He could not have grown it anymore. You know, had he just fulfilled everything he could fulfill, and then he just gave himself as that perfect gift? Um, that's a good question. I would say that yes. You know, like by the time, certainly by the time he's doing his public ministry, this is just my own guess. 
he was perfect in all virtue. That there was nothing from the left. moment he was born. He was, well, he was a perfect in all virtue. Right, but I mean, I think his question is more like or from the human he was nature conce- conceived in the human nature, like whenever he was growing and learning, that he had just maxed that out. I think, like certainly, by the time his public ministry had begun, his, at a human level, he had nothing left to grow. Right, he wasn't still like learning or acquiring new virtue. You know, he wasn't still growing in virtue on a human level. I don't know what age that would be. But it seems like he would have been that way for a long time. This is just my own guess. Before he started his public ministry. I don't know. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, I was trying to look it up here in the, in, in this Thomas thing. So he, uh, here Aquinas says, he argues that it would have been unfitting for Christ to display the fullness of wisdom he already possessed before an age when human beings would typically exhibit wisdom. So um, he wouldn't, even though he was already fully, uh, he already was in full of that virtue or, or you know, exi- exemplified that virtue to the max, he would not do that. He wouldn't be, he wouldn't be like courageous, like he wouldn't go into battle at the age of six or five or whatever the age was because um, even though he would have that full virtue. Yeah, but for example, would a would a fifty year old Jesus would have been wiser than a thirty three year old Jesus? So I'm gonna say no. No. I would guess no. yeah. around the age of twenty five, his human nature had like maxed out all stuff. I say twenty five because that seems to be the age when most men like uh, yeah so according have, like, to his progress mental and awakening age. And, re- and realize like i don't need to go to the bar on a tuesday anymore mm. <laughs> i should go to bed yeah you know like yeah so there's a whole thing in here where we where, where talks about the difference between uh uh the habit um like so there's a so you're misunderstanding actum. the question i think you're just he said, you know, did you hear what he said? Like, what if, if Jesus had gone on living uh-huh. at 50, would he have been wiser than he was at 33? Right. And so, like, the whole, there's this whole thing on habit versus act. And so uh, it actually talks about in here that, no, the answer is no. Right. That's okay. Yeah. So at what age, what, it, what age did he max out all hit points? Um, I, I, mean, I mean, it's just, I he know. said it was at the beginning. He said it was a speculative question. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing... 25 or younger. Yeah. It's just my guess. I'm willing to willing to put something down. Put me down for 25. Yeah, cuz the older he, you know, the, yeah. That just seems to be old, when the, the, when men according to the actually the, like the mature. progress of his age, the greater works that he yeah. did, right? So, you know, um I think it would be safe to say, I don't know this, I have not done deep, this is not a deep dive, so I, mm-hmm. I'd be willing to say, though, um, that you know, the, what, the miracle of the wedding feast at Cana was you know, a great work, but, there, but everything, every miracle that he did after the wedding feast at Cana was a greater work than the wedding feast at Cana, because as he continued growing older, he was able to do greater works. Um, so like, you know, he didn't raise Lazarus from the dead, um, first, that wasn't his first. It was not his first miracle. Um, he did not, you know, give blind, uh, sight to the blind or or anything like that. So I yeah. think that as he continued to grow, and then you know, obviously uh, to the point of 
uh, salvation, right? You know, he ended up dying for us um, it, and, and taking on taking on all so, of human sin. I'm going dis- to disagree with you on, on your point there. I don't okay. think that Jesus did, like, okay, he didn't raise Lazarus because, you know, he, like, still needed to grow in his capacity for miracles. I think he just didn't do that because it wasn't what needed to be done yet. I think that he certainly could have. There was nothing. There would have been no nothing holding him back. I think. It, I think. It, I definitely think he could have. I'm not saying he couldn't have. Well, I mean. So I mean, I was interpreting your answer to be, oh, that he still needed to like practice and grow in no, his capacity. He does, not have to, he does not have to grow. He does not have to grow. And no, this is the difference between the act and the habit. Like the habit of growing. Like no, no, no. Is not. Is not necessarily that. It, Juan's it, question. I think you're like, is like overthinking Juan's question. Juan is asking. Jesus is like growing in his capacity for virtue as I a boy. We moved on. As I've a, already, we've already answered that yeah. question. Yeah, and so for example, when he when he talks in Cana and he says, "My time has not yet come," was a time more like his time of growth and his time of or, or, See, or it's the same question, or is it like an external time? I say, like, "Well, you guys are not ready for me. I've, I've been ready this whole time, right? Or you guys are not ready, or." Or maybe my time hasn't yet come, and I there's something else that I need. Okay, well the whole the whole like his response to Mary at the wedding feast of Cana has uh, prophetical consequences. Okay, so one of the things you know here Mary is asking him to produce gallons and gallons of wine, which is a fulfillment of a prophecy about the Messiah, that when you, like, when the Messiah comes, there'll be the mountains and hills flowing with wine, okay? And that was like a, a prophecy of the kingdom, that, that, like, the kingdom has come, right? And Christ brings that to fulfillment on the cross. And so in one way, he's saying, my time has not yet come for that, okay? So it's a multi-level, there's many layers to that exact exchange. So I, you, I don't want to oversimplify mm-hmm. the complexity of that short dialogue between Mary and Jesus. But I would say no, he doesn't need to like grow himself anymore. And that it's more I, of like there was in a there's a specific time in history that God had ordained for all things to take place. The fullness of time for his yeah. You know, death on the cross had not come. Good. Thanks for entertaining my question. It is a very complex exchange. Yeah, when you start and talking you about this, like, you have to be Jesus very... Jesus the Bridegroom by Brant Petrie, if you want to learn more about him. Yeah, that is that is a great book. When you start talking about these kind of things, I get very nervous because I just... You could easily... You can easily be way wrong. You could easily be, uh, yeah, go, fall into heretical statements, be, not because it's actually yeah. what you're what you're saying, but it's just you're not precise enough in your language. And you're not articulate enough. And I don't think yeah. this is going to be heresy. You're just going to be wrong. You're just going to be wrong, right? You're just yeah. going to look foolish. Um, and uh, I, I highly like again. I, I think I think you could probably reach out to Mo- uh, Dr. Michael Wall, who wrote this this article in the Thomas. Wall or White? Wall. Oh, That's I thought you said Father Joseph White. Oh, okay. Daniel. That's the editor. Yeah. The editor the is White. Yeah. The yeah. author is Wall. Yeah. Father or Dr. Michael Wall. Yeah. I, and I think that you probably reach out to him, and he he has um, he was very responsive whenever I reached out to him. So I think he'd be more than willing to talk to whoever wanted to about this, and maybe he could even 
uh, give you a part of his essay that he he had in there. I don't know. I'm, I'm I don't know that if he would be able to or not, but um, he'd be, at least be able to talk to you more about it. Sweet. Anything else? I don't know. It's just really interesting to think about as, you know, um, Christ becoming, you know, the God becoming man, um, especially in this time period. And then, like, what does that really mean for salvation? What does that really mean uh, as a, you know, a human nature, divine nature? Like, the hypostatic union is so crazy. Uh, when you start thinking about um, his, his divine nature and his human nature and how they cooperate with one another and um, are distinct yet intertwined yet um, save you know save one and then you know fulfill the other and you know you just like yeah. start thinking and you're like man this is um, it's hard okay it's hard it's hard I think I need to go ice my brain can I tell you something that I heard on Catholic radio bath. today that's completely unrelated but like blew my mind a little bit sure who's the guy who's on at four uh, Al Cresta Al Cresta he was on. I just kind of caught. Came in. We've in the, met him before. Yeah, came in the middle of what he was talking about, but it was about anti-vegetarians, and so I was like, "I'm in. all right, <laughs> Al." Kind of surprises me, but he didn't like say this in these words. But he brought up like a really good point about, like, basically God didn't want people to be vegetarians, uh, and he brought up the point that like, well. If you were a Jew and you wanted to be saved, you better not be a vegetarian because you had to eat the lamb. And not just a piece of it. It wasn't... It, All of it. It wasn't, it wasn't enough to kill the lamb, put Slaughter the blood it. on your door. Yeah. If you didn't eat it, you's going to die. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's like, you know, Al, <laughs> that is a very interesting point you make there. Not like not like vegetarians today aren't fulfilling God's will. Right. That's not at all what I'm saying. But there was a time at least where before, yeah, before if you wanted saying. if you wanted to be one of God's people, you cannot be a vegetarian. At least not strictly so. You can say like, hey, I try not to eat meat, except when God makes me. Cool. Welcome to the club. But <laughs> Like, Actually, that's not the club I'm in. <laughs> it's not the club I'm in. But it just, I thought that was kind of like, wow. That's very interesting. Yeah. Never really thought about it that way. That is very, yeah. Not anything to do with our topic today. That is pretty cool, though. But I thought it was like funny, at least. Anyway. Are we done? Shut her down? Uh, yeah, I don't have anything else. I was just going to say really quick, on the topic of Jesus and the maturity and if he is to be the model of what a human is supposed to grow in wisdom and maturity and responsibility, it brings more light in this cultural shift of pushing responsibility, you know, 10 years up the ladder while you do everything else. And how is, if we are to models, like let's give younger people more responsibility. You know, we, we talk about mm. our grandfathers and great grandfathers at age 17, they were captains of a warship. Right. And the decisions they had to make and how I'm sure they were at a certain point aligning in virtue and the maturity to make those decisions just like Jesus was aligning in virtue and maturity to do whatever he was, to do what 
he was fulfilling. Yes, I agree. Totally. Yeah. Stop being soft. 